What is this duct tape you speak of? I've never heard of this. All right. Um, um, we talked about several things in regards to space and uh, how the moon rotates and how that relates to our relationship with Christ. I'm going to ask, see who's been paying attention now that we've already said this stuff three or four times. How many days does it take for the moon to actually rotate around the earth? All right. Let's see. Young lady in the thing one. No. But, hey, it's good to try. Booyah. 27.3 days for the moon to rotate around the earth. All right. Now, this is the one I've said several times. How far in kilometers is the moon from the earth? Yeah. No. So close, though, dude. Negative. All right. All the way at the back. 385,000 kilometers. All right. Let's see if I can get my skill shot here. Oh. No. Did not work. Feel free to file any claim with camp insurance. Um, uh, but... 385,000 kilometers, and uh, this is uh, also a rate I told you, see if you really paid attention, at what rate is the Earth slowing down? All right, young lady in the green. Negative. All right. All right, Bakra. Yeah. Negative. Five macroseconds a year. Good job. That's why you'd be wrong, Adam. <laughs> All right. But five macroseconds per year is what they say the Earth is slowing down. This is stuff. Now, I don't want you to walk away from here learning space facts or stuff like that and be like, oh, well, Mother, here's what you should know. Um, what you need to learn out of any of this is what we talk about out of Scripture, out of God's Word. And the fact that your life needs to rotate around Christ. You need to make Christ the center of your life. But before you can make Christ the center of your life, you actually need to what? Know Jesus. You actually have to have a relationship with Jesus before you can make him the center of your life. You can't make someone the center of your life if you don't actually know them. You know, it's kind of that sort of thing. You can't make Christ the center of your life if you don't know who he is. Because let me tell you. Um, there, how many times do you ever feel like you kind of have a celebrity that you really get attached to and you want to make them like the center of your focus, but really that just makes you a stalker? Um, you know, if Justin Bieber is the center of your life, one, you have priority issues, and two, you're a stalker because you don't know him. <laughs> um, so here's the thing I want you to understand. The first thing, importantly, you need to know Christ so Christ can be the center of your life. Secondly, once you know Christ, you need to shine the light of Christ. So the light of Christ needs to be shown in your, out of your life so others can see you. And that's kind of where we're going with the second part of today. But let me ask you, what are some ways, we know how far the moon is from us. We know how often it turns around. We know the way it spins and stuff like that. 
What does the moon actually do for us? Raise your hands, don't just yell out. What does the moon do to our world? Causes tides. And for those of you that don't know what a tide is, I know y'all are all up in the hills and you're not that close to the ocean. You know, I, one of my favorite things is I live like an hour from the ocean. So it's like, you know, if I get a break, hmm, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the ocean. And you guys are on mountains, though, so it's kind of it equals out. Mountains are pretty. But um, it causes the way the moon rotates around the earth actually causes the way the ocean moves in and out against all of our shores. Um, so that's a really cool thing. It brings us tide. What else does the moon do for us? It does give us light because it reflects from the sun. Okay. No. I don't know that. Is that true? Does the moon make your hair grow? I don't know these things. If that's the truth, then uh, I wouldn't have bald spots and neither would Uncle Paul. It gives us movies to watch. Yes, there are tons of movies about the moon. Yes. It does. It it shows us when night and day is. Um, we're going to focus on what my man right here said about the tides. Did you have some? Or are you just fixing your arm? Because it's janky. Is it broken? Are you okay? Do you need medical assistance? Yes, she does. Okay. Um, but um, here's the cool thing about the, uh, the way the moon interacts with our earth. The moon is, as we already said, 385,000 kilometers from earth, but it interacts with earth every single day. Does it have to be all up in its face to get it to work? The moon doesn't have to like swoop in to cause the tides to change. How many of you feel like um, you have to get really, really involved and really, really close to people to affect their lives? You know, we have such thing as a personal bubble, which is, you know, that little space around you where, like, you know, it's polite to stay on the range of the personal bubble. You don't need to be all up in someone's bubble. Um, or how many times you feel like if you are talking to someone and they're not listening, you just have to keep talking until they listen. Some people do that, and sometimes that's because we don't feel secure in ourselves. But here's the simple fact. You don't have to be extremely close to impact people. You don't have to be a stalker or someone that's in someone's face every single day to impact people. Your lives impact the people around you every day, whether you realize it or not. Your lives impact people every day, whether you realize it or not. You remember how we talked about being light? You don't just be light. You actually cause people to move closer to Christ or further from Christ. It's kind of a big thing. But the Bible tells us that we have a responsibility in how we live to deal with other people, to bring them closer to Christ. When the way the moon rotates around the earth, it causes the tides to fluctuate. In fact, they say that scientifically if the, all the oceans were one solid body, meaning that they didn't have like variations, if it was like in a perfect circle, that the scientists estimate that the moon would actually cause the earth to rip apart. But it's the fact that the shores shift and that the oceans can move fluidly. Like they say that if the earth was like a bowl almost and all the water was in one place, the moon would cause the earth to rip apart. But because of the way God designed it, 
the moon actually just causes the tides to come in and out. And that's a neat thing. It causes the water to come from one point to another, to go from high to low. And you know what? God places you in people's lives as Christians to affect their lives, to be a part of their lives. We're going to look at several scriptures. And one scripture we're going to look at first. And that's all crazy. Sad day. Silly projector. That's why I have a Bible. All right. Um, Acts 8, 28, and 35. See? Now you actually have to use the Bible. Ha, <laughs> ha, Old school, turn, take it back, paper. Um, it was doing that kind of earlier. If you unplug it, it might, and plug it back in, it might work. Um, Acts 28, uh, or sorry, Acts 8, 28 through 35. It's a story we're all pretty familiar with, Philip and the Ethiopian. And uh, there was an Ethiopian who was on his way, and he stopped to read the book of Isaiah. So here's a guy who isn't a believer, who isn't a follower of Christ, who's reading God's Word. How many of you guys have ever known somebody that wasn't really a Christian, but every once in a while they'll go to church, or every once in a while they'll read the Bible, just to kind of look at it and see what's going on? The thing is, unless God is actively working in your heart, you can't understand this. You need God working in your heart to know how to understand this. Or, guess what? You need somebody that is going to help you understand it. And that's why God places us in people's lives sometimes. Acts 8, beginning in verse 25, reads... No, I'm sorry, wrong verse. Verse... uh, 26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south. It's a road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. So you've got a guy who works for a high-up official in Egypt. He's in charge of the money, and he went to Jerusalem to do what? To worship. He went to Jerusalem to worship. Now here's the thing though. He went to worship, but as we're about to see, he wasn't that close with God. He didn't have a relationship like that. Um, And he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. How many of you guys have ever read the the book of Isaiah? The book of Isaiah is awesome. Um, There's a lot of good stuff, but you know what else is in there? A lot of confusing stuff. So, unless you really know what's going on, it's confusing sometimes. Um, There's a lot of history, there's a lot of prophecy, there's a lot of commands that relate to stuff that if you're an Ethiopian who doesn't readily, studily, readily, studily, I'm readily, studily, um, if if you don't readily study the Word of God, then you're not going to get it. Um, And he says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. You know, the moon causes the water to go up on the shore, right? 
It also causes the water to back up. If we are following God, God is going to use us as that kind of instrument. God's going to say, you see that kid over there at that table at your school? He needs to hear about me. He needs some love. He's having a bad day and he needs compassion. We are God's instrument if we allow him to use us. He wants to use us. So in this verse, uh, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? Now, first off, he didn't run over and say, hey, you need Jesus. What did he do? He ran over to where God told him to go, and he listened to what this guy was involved in. If we're going to be people that can affect and help other people, first off, we need to be able to listen to what actually is going on in their hearts and going on in their lives. Philip listened and heard, oh, you're reading the book of Isaiah. Do you understand it? He got involved right where this guy was. He got involved right where he was. He was reading the book of Isaiah. He didn't come up and say, oh, you don't need to be reading Isaiah. What you really need to read is 40 Days of Purpose by Rick Warren. (laughs) Or the Prayer of Jabez. Um, He didn't like pop up with some book and say, oh no, you need to read Not a Fan. Don't worry about, you know. Like, he didn't come up and say, what you're doing is not good enough. He said, oh, you're reading Isaiah? Let me help you. You know what? So often, we don't need to always try and show people a better way. We need to help them right where God has them. By showing them the truth. By helping them out. And the the Ethiopian said, and he said, "How can I under? How can I unless someone guides me?" And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Here he says, "How can I understand unless someone guides me?" There are people all over where you live that hear about Jesus every day. It's pretty hard to live in this area and not hear about Jesus at least once a day, right? Y'all hear about Jesus at least in passing. Somebody talk about God. But listen, there's a difference between hearing about him and knowing him and understanding him. And just like the moon guides our tides about where to go and when to pull back, what if, you know, like I said, if the moon actually spun all the way around, our tides wouldn't know where to stop. Our tides would be down here at the bottom of the hill. Our tides would be all over the place. Cities would be destroyed. People would drown. It would be horrible. But the moon guides our tides and tells them where to stop. We have that responsibility, that blessed position, to be able to tell people how to understand God, about how to get close to God. We have the privilege of guiding them. Let's be honest, though. When's the last time you actually guided someone in your life closer to God? Not that you said, oh, he's that way. But you actually guided them. Here, let me help you. Let me walk with you. Let me show you what it's like to be close to Jesus. Let me show you what it's like to live for Christ. And some of you younger people are like, I'm 12. It doesn't matter if you're 12. Let me be very, very clear with this. The decisions and the actions you use and make right now will impact you for the rest of your life. And they have the ability to impact others for the rest of their lives. 
Um, I mentioned earlier, my mom died two years ago, and I saw a girl at my mom's funeral I had not seen since I was in middle school, like seventh grade. She came up to me at my mom's funeral to say that something I told her when I was 14 changed her life. I hadn't seen this girl in 14 years, almost. And something I said when I was in middle school to her impacted her life. Where you're at right now, you have the ability to guide, to impact, and change people's lives throughout the rest of their lives. If you listen to God and you follow where God leads you. What would happen if the moon said, um, I just don't feel like guiding the tides today. Those tides are, would be upset with me, and that's embarrassing. And I'll feel like a weirdo if I say, hey, tides, go that way. If, we, if, the ti- if the moon acted like we do around other people, the world would fall apart. We have the responsibility to guide people where they're going. But going on, uh, now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to slaughter, like a lamb before his shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him, for who can describe his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does this prophet say this about, himself or someone else? If you don't understand what he was reading, he was reading out of Isaiah chapter 53. And Isaiah chapter 53 is a passage that is about Jesus. It's a passage that 700 years before Jesus walked on the earth, told Jesus' whole life story. And so, when he was reading this passage, this passage was about Jesus. And so, when he, when the Ethiopian, but guess what? In that whole passage of Isaiah 53, you know how many times it mentions Jesus' name? Zero. So, if you're reading a book about a guy, if you're reading a book by a guy named Isaiah, but it's about Jesus, and nowhere in there does it say Jesus, how are you going to know it's talking about Jesus unless somebody tells you that? You need somebody to guide you. People need The people in your world, the people in your day-to-day school lives, need you to help guide them towards Jesus. You have that responsibility. Not just to shine your light and show them that there is darkness, but once they see that there is darkness, you need to guide them out of it into Christ. And... um. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. See, Philip listened to what the Ethiopian needed. He got involved where the Ethiopian was. And once he listened, he waited for that opportunity, and he guided that Ethiopian on how to know Jesus. And you know what? He believed, and he got baptized right there. They were literally driving by, oh, look, a puddle. Let's get baptized. Literally, how many like how many of you like if you got saved on a road trip, you came to know Jesus? Look, a ditch. Let's go. Let me get baptized right now. That happened because Philip was guided. Did you get the rest of this? What's next? All right, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through twenty is a section all of you pretty much know. I bet some of you can quote it. Um, but Matthew eighteen. Or sorry, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's called, it's part of this Bible. It's called the Great Commission. And it says 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority is given in heaven and on earth has been given me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now notice something. Jesus tells us a couple of important things. One, I have all authority in heaven. Listen, Jesus says, I have all authority in heaven. If I say it, it goes. You know, uh, I work on a college campus with our church. And um, the thing about working on a college campus is there's a ton of paperwork to be able to do anything legally on the college campus. Um, you know, if we want to set up a table and give out hot chocolate and tell people about Jesus, we have to fill out paperwork four or five different times, get it approved, have people sign off on it. It's like a three-week process just to be able to give somebody some hot chocolate. But then there are other campus ministries that don't bother to do it, and they just walk out and they just do it. And the thing is, they don't have the authority to actually be on the campus, and it takes a lot more work to actually do it the right way. But once we're given that authority, we can be out there all the time and do whatever we want. What I really want is just somebody at the college just say, hey, you guys, from now on, have permission to do anything you want on campus. And you never have to fill out paperwork again. I'd be like, hooray! I'd live on the college campus. It'd be awesome. But um, the thing is, I don't, I'm not given that authority. I have to go get that authority every time I want to do something. Jesus says, look, you don't have to come back and ask. You don't have to ask again. You don't even have to pray about it. I have given you the authority, and I say, go. You know, how many of you have said, Jesus, do you want me to talk to my friend about you? And you're like hoping he says, no. No, don't tell Jimmy about me. That's a terrible idea. Um, Jesus says, look, I have given you all authority. No one can question that. Now get up and go do it. But Jesus didn't just say, uh, go tell them about me. He said, go and make disciples. You know how you make disciples? By being in someone's life and living out the truth in front of them. If Mr. Nicky stood up here and said, here's how you play the guitar. Done. Are you really going to learn anything? You actually have to sit with him and learn it and be taught. And here we're told in, at the end of this that we're told to teach them to observe everything I commanded you. Think about this. The disciples lived with Jesus every day for three whole years. And Jesus didn't say, just go tell them I died and rose from the dead. Jesus said, teach them everything I taught you. So if you're going to be the disciples and you're going to teach your friends, the people you hang around with at school, everything Jesus taught his disciples, are you going to be able to do that by throwing a track at them at lunch? Here, this tells you four easy steps to know Jesus. That's not going to do it. You have to live with them. You have to be involved with them. You have to be their friends. You have to be in their lives. You have to be the moon circling around them, causing the tides to go in and out all around them. Because if you're not actually in their lives affecting them, you're a wasted light. You're still the light of the world. You're just not doing any good. We're told to be in people's lives so that we can affect them, so we can do that. Corinthians 9. First Corinthians 9. This is one of my favorite passages, and it's one that doesn't get used a lot. 
Do you know anything about the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul was a guy who had the most education. He was highly revered. He was a big shot in the religious community before he came to know Christ. Then after he came to know Christ, he got even bigger. He became pretty much the best missionary the world's ever had. He wrote half of the New Testament, at least. Depending on if you give him credit for Hebrews. So... um, I had, like, in Bible college, I had one professor in my 8 o'clock class that said Paul wrote Hebrews, and then in my 10 o'clock, he didn't write Hebrews. Same professor, two different classes. And he told you in one class he wrote in Hebrews, and in one class he didn't, and I always got confused on my tests. I'm like, which class am I in? Um, anyway, Paul wrote half the New Testament, okay? He's a guy who knows what he's talking about. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Beginning in verse 19, uh, he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Paul had no responsibility to anybody. He didn't have to do anything for anybody. But he said, I'm going to live my life like I'm everyone's servant so that they can know Jesus. Paul said, I'm going to impact. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to impact everyone I'm around so that they can know Jesus. How many of you really have that attitude? How many of you spend your days in school like, I just want to avoid everybody and go home? You ever do that? I just want to get out of Walmart. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to buy this and go home. Because most of you don't walk into Walmart saying, man, I need to impact somebody for Jesus right here. Aisle three, interaction, let's go. You know, we don't do that, but we should. If Jesus has put you in a position to be around anybody, how many of you have seen kids at camp this little weekend, you haven't even spoken to them yet? I know some of you I've talked to, some of you I haven't even talked to yet, and I don't mean to. I'm a jerk. I already told you that in one of these messages. But there's some of you whose names I don't know. Some of you who I haven't even actually verbally spoken to or high-fived or anything. If God puts us in a place, He puts us there to impact the people around us. Even here. It's not just my job to impact people this weekend. It's all of your jobs. Kids in your cabin, the kids you eat with at lunch, it's your job to impact. Maybe it's just to bring in a little closer or to help pull away from something else. But Paul says he's going to impact everyone he's around. Verse 20 says, To the Jews I have become a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I have become as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I have become as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I have become weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them blessings in it. Now some of you are saying, what's all this stuff about laws and stuff like that? Here's what Paul's saying. I became what everyone else needed me to be so that I could reach them with Jesus. Now does that mean Paul changed who he was? No. But he allowed himself to interact with them. Where is... Stand up. Yeah. All right. Nate, 
Nate, Nate sat with me at breakfast this morning. Nate, uh, tell me one of the things we talked about at breakfast this morning. Legos. Nate and I talked about Legos this morning. We talked about Star Wars Legos. We talked about Lord of the Rings Legos because of Jesse. Uh, we talked about Nintendo DS. We talked about touchscreen technology. We talked about how computers really aren't that great we, because they keep freezing up and stuff. Now, here's the thing. I talked with Nate about Legos that I may be about those Legos so that I can interact with Nate's life. I don't really love Legos. <laughs> I don't. But I talked with Nate about Legos, and I had a conversation about Legos with Nate because Nate cared about Legos. Now, I don't expect Nate to instantly be an awesome Christian because I talked to him about Legos. I wish it was that easy. I'd buy everyone Legos. Let's go to Toy Cars. Come on. Um, but because I interacted with Nate about that, I had that chance to have a conversation. And Nate, I enjoyed our conversation. Air high five. All right, not you, him. We didn't talk at breakfast. Shame on you. All right, but here's the thing. If God places you in somebody else's life, he wants you to get involved in their life so that you can interact with them so that they can see Jesus better. That doesn't mean you have to pretend to like everything they like or be interested in everything. Oh, you like Taylor Swift? Don't need to. I don't. The only Taylor Swift song I've ever even heard is the one that's on the Hunger Games. So, um, so I don't even know a Taylor Swift song outside of one. So, but I don't like Taylor Swift. But I've got a college student who's a grown man who likes Taylor Swift. And I listen to him talk about Taylor Swift so I can have this conversation about things. I want you to understand this. Paul was the smartest, most experienced, well-traveled, accomplished man of the gospel outside of Jesus in that time frame. And he treated himself like he was a slave to everyone he met so that he could impact their lives with the gospel. Here's a flat statement, okay? A cross-board statement. If God has placed someone in your life, He has them there so that you can impact their life in some way. For His glory, for His honor, and His kingdom. You can't impact your life if you don't actually get involved. Now, I'm not saying you have to be everyone's best friend, but if somebody's put you, if God's put someone in your life, He has them there for a purpose. Maybe it's just so you can share one thing that will stick in the back of their mind. Maybe it's so that you can listen when their heart is hurting. Maybe it's so that you can guide them through Scripture like Philip. Maybe it's so you can pray for them. But here's the thing. God placed you there. But you being there won't do any good if first, you don't know Jesus. Secondly, your life doesn't revolve around Jesus. And third, if you're not living as a light for Jesus. Because guess what? If you're not doing those three things... You're going to impact their life, just not in the right way. If you don't have, if your life does not belong to Christ, if your life does not revolve around Christ, and your life is not a light for Jesus Christ, you will impact them. But not in the right way. There's a verse that I hate reading in the Bible that says, because of you, the name of God is blasphemed. 
among the Gentiles. And that verse is telling people that people actually curse God because of how the way you live your life. Do you want to be that person? That you've impacted somebody else's life, but you've impacted their life in a way that they never want to get closer to know God. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy that I've impacted somebody's life that they want to get as far away from Jesus as possible. But so often, we, you know, we'll go to church camp, or we'll go to church, or it'll be kids in a youth group. And I literally one time we were at a park doing something and there was a girl in my youth group who went up and cussed out a kid on a toddler playground. Like, full-blown obscenities. So I'm at the church working and I get a phone call from that mom because our phone number is on the side of our church van and the side of our bus. And she walked up and held up the phone to where I could hear what that girl was saying. She was still going long enough that she had time to get the phone number, dial me, pick up, and walk over. She, that cussing tirade was going on so long. She's like, I'm never coming to this church. Hang up. Because one kid impacted somebody else's life in a way that was negative. God has placed you in people's life to bring him closer. To bring them, bring her, to bring him closer to Jesus. And you will impact people's lives. But the question is, are you going to impact them in the right way towards Jesus? Or further away? Was there anything? That was it. This is my last time getting to talk to you. So after this, we're done. For me, at least. So here's what I really want to leave you with. John 17.3 is a verse I shared with you in the first message. And it says, the truest thing I can tell you. This is eternal life. This is real life. To know Jesus and to know God who sent Him. If you want to have real, eternal, lasting life, you actually need to know Jesus. None of the rest of any of what I've talked to you about this weekend matters until you know Jesus. And as we read about in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that you need to be able to stand up and confess, Jesus is my Lord. And that statement be true. If that's a place that you can't stand, if you can't stand up today in front of me right now and say, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, then that's something you need to deal with. Today is the day that you can deal with that. Now, I'm not one of those guys who's like, you better make that prayer because you could get in an accident on the way home. No, I'm not that guy. I'm not going to say that. What I am going to tell you is you are not living your life. You are not having the life God wants for you until you know Jesus. I'm a parent and I want the best for my kids every day. Even when they're in trouble, I want the best for them. God is a much better parent than me, and He wants the best for your life from this moment until the moment you're standing before Him in heaven. He wants the best for you. And that will not happen until you come to know Him. You've got counselors here. You've got staff members, me, Mr. Nicky. There's people here that want to talk to you. 
if you want to stay after and talk to me or one of your counselors, do that. If you don't want to talk in front of the crowd, just come find us. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'll drop what I'm doing. But that's the thing I want to challenge you with. You need to be in Christ to have life. And once you know that, once Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you need to do what we learned from this moon stuff. That you need to make Him the center of your life and stay focused. You need to live with the light of Christ. And once you have that light of Christ, you need to impact the people that Christ puts in your life. Because that's how we live as God commands us to. Let's pray together. God, thank You for giving us this chance to be here. To be Your people. God, as we hear in Your Word, You want us to come to You. You want us to have real life, the best life possible. So God, help us to believe that truth and to abide by it. But God, if there's anyone here who doesn't know You, I ask that You would give them boldness and courage and strength to just stand up and make that decision. That they would find an adult. That they would come talk to someone for that. Not that they would pray a prayer in front of everyone just to be seen or do it without understanding, but God, that they would be able to stand up today and say, I want to give my life to You and follow You today. God, for those that are already following You, I ask that You would help them to get rid of distractions so that they can be centered and focused on You. So their life can be about You. So that through You, they can be light. They can impact the world around them. They can change the tides of those in their lives. And as Paul said, that he would do all things possible to reach those for You so that people can be saved. Help that to be our heart's passion. Because You are the God who created not just the moon and the stars and the universe, but You created us. And You created us for Your glory to bring You honor and to do Your work. Thank You for allowing us to be part of Your creation. In Christ's name, Amen.